Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of the Sun's Solar Panel. We have not seen the Phoenix Suns play a game of basketball in, what, four months now, has it been? Four months. That's the longest we've gone without Suns basketball since the world ended. And Feels like four uh, years. now it's, I know, right? And that was literally only two years ago. <laughs> but it feels like four, maybe 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So it's been a long time since we've seen the Suns play a game of basketball. We have no idea what this team is going to do. The last time we saw the Suns play basketball, they looked like they had never played basketball before. They lost by 30 points in decisive game seven uh, of their second round playoff series. And it's amazing that four months later, everyone's still butthurt. Everyone in Suns Twitter is still butthurt over that. And there's zero chance for a championship. This team is going to regress. This team's going to fall apart. The worst thing you can do is say they're the next Utah Jazz and they might be the next Utah Jazz. Who knows what's going to happen going forward? So I've got, we got a solar panel today. We're going to go through a mailbag. Basically, we're going to talk about the latest possibles and latest rumors and all that for what the Phoenix Suns can do. I'll, I'll set the stage for what they have done so far this offseason to show you how little it really is. And then we'll talk about what they can do going forward. Um, and I want to welcome in the folks on my solar panel today. Today's panel includes my regular partner, Brandon, Zona Hoops. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Uh, you know, ready to get this mailbag episode in. I think uh, at this point, we're all just kind of ready for the preseason to start, training camp, all that. It's just kind of that dead point of the offseason where conversations are recycled but luckily we have some new news to talk about so excited about that i'd like to have some new news i mean we're excited i'm damon alred on bright side is following every dario sarge game because we haven't seen him play for two years and that's pretty exciting so go to brightsideofthesun.com and you'll be able to follow everything that dario does throughout Eurobasket because that big tournament is going on right now my other panelist today is Twitter famous, the historian of all historians for Suns Trivia. We're going to have a Cody's Corner segment segment later on in the show. Cody Hunt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Dave. Glad to be here. And when you say that uh, lots of Suns fans are still butthurt about uh, that Game 7 loss, I think I'm the poster boy of that sentiment. I'm still extremely hurt. I, I, I think it's gloom and doom. I think that there needs to be something different or else we're just going to go through the same thing again. So that's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gloom. <laughs> Mr. Doom, let's go. All right, just I want to welcome in all the folks are, that are already in our chat. Man, we are four months uh, since the last game. We're a month away from training camp more than shoot. Uh, yeah, about three weeks away from training camp starting, so that's good. We're down into the final less than a month. Um, welcome in all the folks in the chat. Jason Cox says, let's go. Blaze Megatron is here at 1.30 his time. Good Lord, Blaze. Love you, man. Totally love you. Yes, the Aussies, are our second biggest country of Suns fans is Australians. 
it's just it's just freaking awesome and uh and you guys you guys are definitely the best uh sun's orbit has a question for him for us that we'll get to uh because this is a mailbag episode we want you guys to post your questions um i hope we don't miss any of them um but we're definitely going to try to address just about everything we can uh sun's orbit wants to know if we if you get if we get bojan would he start over cam j we'll get to that one for sure um hello is here this morning been in switzerland in italy for the past month oh you have such a tough life man i feel so sorry for you good for you enjoy your summer uh you may have done more traveling than um half the sun's team has because they've been working out all summer in the gym from what i've heard uh yeah so we've got a lot of lot of fans in here jim rose circus is in here one of my favorites a real big fan of the show, and I'm a real big fan of Jim. So uh, that's that's we're all better off with Jim around. Yep, definitely. Well, let's get into this a little bit, guys. Brandon, actually, so people don't have to hear me speak the entire time. Can you give us a two-minute recap on everything the Suns have done this summer that will make them look different than the team that lost by 3,000 points in Game 7 to the Dallas Mavericks? Well, uh, they didn't do a lot this offseason, but, but uh, you know, they made some signings on the on the edges where it looks like they're kind of setting up for like a, a bigger trade. Um, you know, JaVale McGee signed with Dallas, obviously, um, bringing back Bismack, Jock Landale um, added to the mix and Dario Saric getting healthy now. I think uh, I don't think the bigs are going to take any like a step back. If anything, I think they're going to only get better um, depending on Dario's health. That's kind of like the. I think the X factor, if we can get a productive Dario, that definitely changes the dynamic of the team and uh, unlocks campaign, as everyone loves to mention over and over. It's kind of a beating a dead horse at this point. Um, signed Josh Okoge, Damian Lee, and uh, Dwayne Washington. Again, guys on the edges. I don't think they're going to make a difference in the playoffs, but these are guys that can help in the regular season. And, you know, I thought Washington <laughs> was a nice flyer. Um, brought back Ish Wainwright to two-way as well. Um, Jay Crowder's throwing in a little hissy fit right now. No one really cares. Um, what, is, yeah. what do you mean when you say Jay Crowder is throwing a hissy fit for people that social. are not all over social media? Yeah, so just on social media, on his Instagram and Twitter, he's kind of throwing out little like subtle hints that he's not happy or feeling appreciated, um, you know, liking or pinning comments. But what if it's just a hair salon thing? <laughs> He's been to a few hair salons and this this summer, um, so they're starting to add up. I, I don't know what's going on, but it, it just looks like he's not happy. Uh, I don't know if it's an unresolvable situation, but I would not be shocked if he was traded before the season even starts. Um, yeah, it's looking like we're going to run it back, which we already did last summer, and everyone kind of talked themselves into it, which is easy to do when you're coming off a finals appearance, but not as easy when you know you get you get your asses handed to you by the the Mavericks in game 7 and yeah, yeah that taste has just been in everyone's mouth for a while now and it's it's hard to get out so says jay who is our resident lawyer and host of fan in the flames podcast on the bright side network um, is now going to parse your words brandon and he's going to put you on the stand and he's going to make you defend the uh, hissy fit comment that uh, you know, I don't know if you can defend that in a court of law. 
Yeah, objection. <laughs> um, okay, so what was I going to say? So of the – I just pulled it up here while you were recapping for us. Of the 10 players who saw more than 10 minutes of playing time in Game 7 of the second round of the playoffs – we have nine of those guys still on the team. And the only switch out is JaVale McGee for Dario Sarge. JaVale um, it left to Dallas. Dario Sarge is back after a year of injury. So we're basically a combination of the last two seasons of guys. But there's nobody in this main rotation we have not seen in a Suns main rotation uh, since Chris Paul was acquired. There isn't anybody new. So, Cody, how does that make you feel about this coming season with not a single new player? You know, Dave, I, like I just said, the more I look at this roster, the more I just think this is built for the regular season, is not built for the playoffs. What I see when I see the Suns roster right now is a bunch of guys that, you know, can can contribute, can do things, but when it comes down to the playoffs, to the last couple rounds of the playoffs especially we need another guy besides Devin Booker that we can rely on 100% to be able to go out there create his own shot create for others and and normally you would say well Chris Paul is that guy but he's old enough now that I just don't see it anymore I I think you can't get through four rounds of playoffs with Chris Paul without something coming up two years ago in 2021 he was like completely playing one-handed in the first round and then by the by the finals he was he had that hand ligament injury that he was dealing with in the last year you know there are various reports of what exactly was going on but he definitely wasn't himself towards the end of that Dallas series so I just don't think we can trust Chris Paul to be the second guy I think we need an actual second guy that we can rely on that way Chris Paul can be the third and I just don't see it out of anyone currently on the roster I mean the one guy that I would like it to be would be DeAndre Ayton but I see him more of a, of a play finisher, not, not a play creator. I think we need another guy. Yeah, it's interesting, Cody. Um, and I know, I know there's different ways to take this, but I do want to remind people of the reality versus the perception. The Suns are tied with the Bucks. No, sorry. The Suns are behind only the Bucks in playoff wins the last two years. So to say that this team is not built for the playoffs is saying all but one team is not built for the playoffs every year. There's only one team that's quote-unquote built for the playoffs every year that wins the championship. Everyone else fell short. The Suns with 21 playoff wins are only bested by the Milwaukee Bucks the last two off seasons with 23 playoff wins. We know the difference in those totals and with four series wins somebody pointed out on twitter just two years ago when the suns were coming on their their 10th straight um missed year in the playoffs and donovan mitchell was soaring high as an all-star for the jazz who were going to lead the league in wins who would have thought that devin booker would have more playoff series wins than donovan mitchell ever did in utah <laughs> And he does. In just two playoffs, Devin Booker has won four playoff series. And they're four and two <clears throat> in the playoffs. Uh, 
That team, yeah, so says Jay says, the team is not built for COVID. Um, there's never been anything um, official on who all had COVID, who all got sick. Things happen. Crap happens. I think more than COVID happened, I think more, a lot of things conspired in a single game and the Suns just decided, or not decided, but it just so happened that nobody was ready for game seven of that playoff series. But it's uh, it's crazy how bad that, that team looked. And they're going to have to spend the whole year living that down. Even if you make changes, as Cody says, bring in another new guy. They tried for Kevin Durant. They never had the, the right pieces. And uh, Durant couldn't force the trade short of those pieces. Um, the Suns just didn't have the right pieces for Kevin Durant. Do they have the right pieces for somebody else? Maybe. Uh, I, I still know that coming out of the season, James Jones and Monty Williams both said that they need more creators. Uh, and just as Cody said, you've got to have somebody else who can make their own shot out of nothing. DeAndre Ayton is more of a finisher. Cam Johnson, more of a finisher. Mikel Bridges, more of a finisher. And we don't just mean at the basket, but the catch and shoot, catch and finish. Uh, Lorianne G, thanks for being a new member. You just joined the membership. With You are now a flaming baller. I knew you always wanted to be one. Um, so thank you very much for joining, Lori. Uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of finishers on this team, but only a couple of creators. And when one goes down, like you said, Cody and Chris Paul, now you're down to just one, and all that guy has to do is get double teamed and if nobody else flashes in. Now, I do think there's a couple of counters that the Suns will have this year they'll be able to work on. Well, it says new member on here, Lori. I knew you were a member from before, but for some reason it's coming up as new member. Um, the... Uh, uh, the Suns will come up with more counters. Dario is going to be very helpful in if Devin Booker gets trapped out near the half-court line. He'll flash in there and create passes from the mid-post, from the high, you know, the top of the key that uh, DeAndre Ayton just isn't equipped to do, to catch and turn around and find an open guy all in half a second. He just doesn't quite have that. Um, so it's really uh, – it, it. the Suns will have – something new this coming year but they're still the same team if they're still the same team you're right cody you can't rely on chris paul to have a healthy playoffs anymore you just can't so you need somebody else who's going to be able to step up and the question is do the suns have anyone who's able to step up but they all but we also need to see if the suns are going to make some changes period as brandon said um jay crowder has has done a couple of passive aggressive social media posts that make it look like he might not want to be with the Suns this next year. Uh, he is declining. He was terrible in the playoffs. I don't know about you guys, but I thought Jay Crowder was just one of the worst players on the team in the playoffs, and maybe that was some kind of injury. Maybe that was – I don't know what that was, but it was bad. And uh, he got abused by everybody. Jay Crowder was supposed to be a guy who could defend Luka. Jay Crowder was supposed to be a guy who could defend uh, Brandon Ingram or somebody like that. He, he couldn't defend anybody. He was getting in foul trouble constantly. Uh, he led the team in fouls. So that was it was really interesting um, what happened with Jay Crowder. He went from one of their best defenders to a guy who was just constantly in foul trouble. So we'll see. Uh, there are some players who are um, on, the, on the block, on the market, 
let's start with the Utah Jazz. All right, let's start with the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz just traded Donovan Mitchell after trading Rudy Gobert. They now have almost as many draft picks as the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're going to try to lose and, and raise the profile of their own draft picks, which is why they traded their two All-Stars. Um, so that means they don't need their supporting players. So let's talk about those supporting players. The Jazz, two years ago, led the league in regular season wins, and then they lost in the second round of the playoffs. First round, maybe. Second round, second round. Uh, and then this past year, they came up short in the first round to Dallas. Um, but they do have some nice supporting players. Boyan Bogdanovich averaged 18 points a game as a small forward slash power forward for them. Um, he's more of a he's great shooter. He can get to the rim. Uh, he doesn't really dribble the ball that much. He's a finisher like the rest of these guys. And he, uh, uh, he, he, can, he can look like he plays defense, but I don't think he's any better at defense. He's certainly not as good as Cam Johnson at defense. But Boyan could be had. Um, he's on the block for sure. Jordan Clarkson, who can get hot on the outside uh, but, and create his own shot. But he's not really good on defense. And then um, there may be other guys that they have that become available uh, Damon Allred, again, uh, for Bright Side of the Sun, listed off half a dozen guys who could be available from the Jazz and ranked them. But we don't know if um, Malik Beasley is available. He's got some off-court issues. I don't see the Suns wanting him. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is a young, um, do-everything power forward who can't do anything offensively, but he can do everything else pretty well. Um, I don't even know if the Jazz want to trade him. Uh, but So let's, let's limit it to Boyan. And Jordan Clarkson, because the Suns are also not going to acquire Mike Conley. Good Lord. Imagine both guys being hurt, him and Chris Paul being hurt at the same time, all the time. So let's do Clarkson or Boyan. Between those two, Cody, who would you take and why? Uh, I mean, if neither was an option, I might go with that, because I just think neither of, is, of them is is the level of shot creator that I think the Suns need. Um, neither one is a great defender. Uh, but if I had to choose, I would say Clarkson mostly because I think it, it fills the bigger need that the Suns have right now. With Bojan, I think he wouldn't really do that much that, that Cam Johnson doesn't already do. Maybe he maybe he's a little better volume scorer, um, but you know the defense isn't as there. I, I think I trust Cam more in a playoff series. But with Clarkson, I think there's a real question mark with you know guard off the bench for the Suns. We'll have campaign again. We'll see how he does. He was very, uh, you know, inconsistent last year. I would love for him to play well again, but if not, I, I would I would like for the Suns to have another option for for someone that could just eat up guard minutes off the bench. And I think Clarkson's a relatively cheap option that could do that. So yeah. you like Clarkson of the two? Definitely. All right, uh, Brandon. What do you say? Yeah, I gotta agree with Cody here. Um, I think. I don't think either of these guys are going to move the needle in a playoff series. Um, that's what you have to be looking at. But I also do think Clarkson kind of fits a little more seamlessly out of these two and like gives you something you need and something Shamit didn't do last offseason, which was he was supposed to fill in that void. Uh, just instant offense off the bench. Clarkson can light it up. And we've seen him do it against us multiple times where he gets hot and he could change the entire direction of a game uh, really quick. So having someone like that that you can play with 
Chris Paul or Devin Booker um, with campaign, just kind of plug and play and also doesn't cripple you down the road. Like if they say Kevin Durant talks pick up again towards the trade deadline, um, if you already have Clarkson on your roster, he's someone that could fit around, you know, playing with Kevin Durant, just having a floor spacer like that. So, um, yeah, I think I have to lean Clarkson and, and Boyan. I mean, I, I just don't trust him in a playoff series. I think it goes back to the point he would help in the regular season. He would help with certain things. But can you play him in, in, the, in crunch time in the playoffs? I don't think so. <clears throat> um, Boyan, I actually think, fits. I don't know, man. I think they both kind of fit. They'd both be in the playoff rotation. I mean, you're talking about a Jordan Clarkson trying to replace Landry Shamit in that second round, for example. You guys remember how many points Landry Shamit averaged in the second round against the against the Mavericks? I don't. Know. Four. He averaged four points a game, 13 minutes a game, so over a quarter out there. Shamit, maybe he was deferring a little bit too much last year. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But, man, that guy, he just doesn't have enough of that killer. I got to get a score when no one else is doing anything defense or offense, I mean. So he's, I think, at least a Jordan Clarkson can create shots. Not that he would make them efficiently, but he'd certainly create them. And then he can get hot. Um, you just with, with, uh, Landry Shamet, that was way too much of the quick pass away and not take a shot. Uh, four points he averaged as Devin Booker's backup in 13 minutes a game. He would have gotten more minutes if he'd have been more aggressive with that. he had to, Chris Paul still had to play 32.4 minutes a game in that series. When we all knew Chris Paul did not deserve 32 minutes a game in that series. Jay Crowder, Boyan Bogdanovich would replace Jay Crowder. Do you guys remember how many how, uh, how many minutes Jay Crowder played and how many points Jay Crowder averaged in those playoffs? What I know for sure is that the three-point percentage was horrendous. Uh, I would guess Jay averaged about eight points or so. I don't know. You'd be surprised. He averaged 11 um, and so for some reason, his actual three-point percentage in that whole second round was 43%. In the second round, yeah. In the second round. That's against Dallas, yeah. Uh, 43%. But the dude was just a turnstile on defense. He couldn't stop Luka. The Suns tried to, you know, they, could, they couldn't put him into the, the switches, the pick-and-roll switches with Mikel. He was just getting into foul trouble like crazy. So that was disappointing. But um, Boyan? would produce at least as many points. And uh, I don't know how much worse he'd be on defense, but he would get as many rebounds and assists and all that. I mean, Jay tried in that series, but if that's your fourth best player, then you guys are, in, you know, the team's in trouble. Yeah, and my favorite um, trade target on the Jazz isn't either of those guys. It's actually uh, Jared Vanderbilt. I think he fits the need with his sons as a bigger forward that can guard you could throw on a Luca. He's not going to stop Luca, but you need a big wing defender. And right now, I just don't trust Cam or Mikel against certain forwards in, in certain matchups. So I think, um, obviously, as he does, he's not much offensively, but, but on defense and rebounding, I think he'd be an awesome like energy fit and add some size that they need desperately. So I don't know if he's available. I don't know what's going on with that, but I would 
definitely hope the Suns would at least reach out, just, you know, have him as a second forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt would be would be great as a he was really good for Minnesota as a do everything but the box score kind of guy, um, which Jay Crowder was known for. He's a little skinny, but he can he can rebound, he can play defense, he can protect the paint, he can do all that. Jared Vanderbilt is a great glue guy, and I'm surprised he got traded into uh, the no man's land of Utah this offseason. But and. We'll see. I don't know if they're going to trade him because they he's young enough to where they might want to keep him. Um, there's been some comments. People are talking about campaign needing to step up and or be replaced by guys who should be in an old folks home. Um, I think campaign's going to have a bounce back year. I really do. I think Dario does help campaign because Dario helps facilitate the offense when Cam doesn't have anything going. This past year, Cam had to create his own shots all the time, all the way to the rim or create floaters and all that. He got into his own head. I think he had a tough year. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think campaign's going to end up having a better year. And I'm also telling you there's a reason Dennis Schroeder has not been signed by anybody. There's a reason Kemba Walker has not been signed by anybody. This isn't time time signing like the Arizona Cardinals where they're trying to find some dude who might flash because he got released by some other team. He doesn't fit. This isn't football. If you're signing somebody off the street in September, they're not that good. I mean, how, how, what did we hear out of last year, New York? Oh, my God, they signed Kemba Walker. They got him on such a deal. It's because he sucks. And guess what? He couldn't even stay in the Knicks rotation. So why do you want him to be on your potential championship team rotation? No. Dennis Schroeder? Look, man, he's... Worked himself off of every team since he left uh, Atlanta, including Atlanta. He worked himself off of. He's just got an attitude issue. He's got something about he doesn't really fit. So I don't know if he's a nice guy or not. He might be a great guy. All I know is every team lets him go. That's what I know. Yeah. So and you look I at you look at yeah. how much the Suns have invested in Payne and Chamet and that backcourt and how highly Monty talks about them. I don't think they're going to make any move before the season starts. I think both of them will get a chance to bounce back. If it's still rough for the first few months, then I can definitely see them making that as like a trade deadline upgrade. But I just think for, you know, they're just too invested in those two guys. And I, I just can't see them moving on this soon. So we'll see. I think you guys are proving my point that, uh, you know, the answer to this team isn't just some little ancillary on the, on the fringes move. We need a bigger change, I think. Well, that's why James Jones went after Kevin Durant, or at least waited. And, you know, um, Suns fans are frustrated. Oh, we just sat around all summer and did nothing. Look, man, if you've got a legit chance to get Kevin Durant, you sit around and wait and see if your assets you have. Because here's the deal. If the Suns had made trades, like these little ones for, you know, Jay, for Boyan, whatever it is, those guys cannot be aggregated in a larger trade. And in a Kevin Durant trade, you have to be able to aggregate guys to add up to Durant's salary. You can't do that if you just traded your guys because they can't be put together in, in the next trade. You've got to keep all your assets. They had to keep their first-round picks. I know James Jones doesn't love first-round picks, but he's also not just going to throw them away for nothing. So he wants to use them for something big like this. And uh, every trade this offseason, how many trades this offseason have required at least three unprotected first-round picks to get an all-star? Three. 
Three trades just this summer alone have required at least three unprotected first-round picks in the next seven years. If you're trading a first for Jared Vanderbilt or if you're trading a first for Boyan or whatever, you can't do that because now you've taken yourself out of the running. So for a big guy, when that person's available, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there and I'm not going to stay with it for very long because there's absolutely no reporting behind it at all. But it was really important for James Jones not to sign DeAndre Ayton to a five-year designated rookie extension because that would have been the second designated rookie on the Suns for two years, two seasons, because Devin Booker's still on his designated extension for two more years. Uh, Ayton would have been starting his, his first year. There'd be two years of overlap where the Suns couldn't acquire someone like, of course, they didn't want Donovan Mitchell. But you couldn't have acquired a Donovan Mitchell. They should you have couldn't... wanted Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> What's that? I would have given more than what the Cavs, Cavs gave up to. Uh, I would have given four first round picks. You can't play Mitchell with Booker. Would you have traded Booker? I'd do it. I think they just they need to take a shot at someone. They need a shot <laughs> like Mitchell. All right, well, maybe not him. But <laughs> let me throw this out. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yes. Yep. Oklahoma uh, City has yet another season of tanking. At some point, Shea's going to be like, come on, man. Can I just get on a playoff team, please? You're never going to be ready by the time I'm in, my, you know, in, my, in the height of my powers. Let's do a quiet trade, and let's get, as, again, as many draft picks as possible for a Shea and maybe a good young player. Let's, let's make sure that you don't, haven't given up your assets and you can acquire a Shea if you want to. Because the Suns only have one designated rookie right now, extension guy for the next two years, so they can acquire a second one. But if they had given DeAndre Ayton that five-year, they wouldn't be able to do this right now. Shea would be awesome. I think that's probably close to best-case scenario just in terms of timeline and fit with the team, like having another shot creator that is shifty and can get others involved. Like He'd be a perfect fit next to Booker and and their wings. Uh, I would give up as much as I would for Durant, for Shea. Yeah, absolutely, because Shea's in the right uh, timeline. All that, he's pre- he'd be perfect. Um, another one that's kind of gone under the radar lately, and maybe that's on purpose, like he deserves it, is uh, De'Aaron Fox for the Kings. He's also on one of those designated extensions, although he's never made an all-star game. He forgot how to make threes, but he's also been on a really crappy team for the last few years. What if he becomes available? The Suns could acquire him and for a lot less cost than for a Shea Gilders Alexander. So that's that's what you're trying to do here. You've got four of your top five players age 26 or under on the Suns. If you're going to replace Chris Paul, the best thing you can do is replace him with somebody in that timeline. And somebody really good in that timeline is going to be on a designated max. So it's nice to keep that door open. That's it. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know when uh, or if Shea's even going to become available. I just feel like it. Um, Eric Linares, jokingly, all in for Westbrook. (laughs) All right, no problem. Uh, (laughs) I saw someone Um, actually tweet that out as a serious idea on Twitter. I'm not going to say who, um, but I threw up just a Oh, no. uh, Yes. Devil's Devil's advocate. Let's say he gets bought out and the Suns can get him for a minimum and he agrees to come off the bench. Would you do it then? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. How can you possibly even think about it? 
No. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Russell Westbrook still thinks he's MVP caliber. What, like, like, uh, you know, what, um, how bad would it be in the locker room if Russ is always coming off the bench playing? He won't even do it for the Lakers. He won't even do it for LeBron. He won't adjust his game. The dude hasn't even thrown a pick, hasn't even set a screen in 10 years. He won't do the supporting guy things. He just won't. So, F, no. <laughs> the only team he's going to sign with is someone who's going to start him and play him big minutes. He's not going to subjugate himself for the greater good. He just doesn't have that in him, or it would have happened by now. For the record, I agree, Dave. I just wanted to uh, get that little reaction out of you. <laughs> oh, geez. What about you, Zona? Do you think uh, you'd sign Russell Westbrook for the league minimum if he wanted to? I will retweet exactly what you said and just stick with that <laughs> and not give it more attention than there needs to be on that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sawbucks. He'd give up CP3 for Westbrook. Okay, sure. If you want to go back to the lottery. No problemo. Um, okay. Hello, need that guy to say white side. Oh man. Are we going to have to, we're not, I'm not talking about that good, that dude. We don't have fallen founder on here. So I'm not talking about that fifth backup center. The Suns could be, could sign off the street. Um, okay. What else do we have in our chat here? John Collins, Julius Randall. So Atlanta, let me, let's talk about John Collins for a minute. John Collins is like a, he would be a great addition, I believe, for the Phoenix Suns. He re-signed with the Atlanta Hawks for about $25 million a year, which is not bad for a guy who can do 2010 as a forward. He's not even a center. As a forward, he could play. He would not be great defensively, but he'd be pretty good, really good offensively. People would see the dunks that they've been praying to see for a couple of years. It'd be a fun match. And Atlanta has been trying to trade John Collins for years. They've been trying to trade him. But let me tell you something. There's a reason Atlanta has not traded John Collins. And it's because they're not going to give him up for pocket lint. They want, if they're going to trade John Collins, they want to trade him for someone better than John Collins, where John Collins is the sweetener into the deal. They don't want to trade him for Dario Saric and Jay Crowder. They just don't. Atlanta does not want the Suns' leftovers. Anytime you cook up a trade in your head that includes the players you don't like anymore for players you really like on another team, you just put a no at the end of your sentence, please, because the other team is not going to do that. You have to give up something you really like, and the Suns are not in a position to be giving up something they really like. Hey, football fans, the first Sunday of NFL season is here. It's finally here. And DraftKings Sportsbook is here to help you make some money. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they are giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. It's simple. You bet on a team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. All they got to do is get a 10-point lead. Even if that team loses eventually, they just have to have a 10-point lead at any point in the game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's a code 
TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Would you trade, let me ask you, Cody, mm-hmm. would you trade Mikel Bridges for John Collins? No, 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 no. I'm all in on Mikhail. The only situation in which I would trade Mikhail is if we were getting a bona fide superstar in return like a Kevin Durant. I'm John not Collins? trading Mikhail Bridges for a non-all-star. Absolutely not. He is the absolute ideal role player. You know, glue guy, does everything right. He's beloved in Phoenix. I'm not trading Mikhail unless it's for an absolute superstar. And with Collins, you know, I like the idea, but um, – the problem is, like you said, I don't think the Hawks are going to give him up for nothing. They just gave him an extension. You know, I think the only chance to get Collins would have been because before, you know, they were kind of playing chicken with his contract extension. He wanted a little more. They wanted to give him less. But they finally came to an agreement, and he signed through the 2025-26 season. So mm-hmm. maybe we could have gotten him if he was on an expiring deal, but he's not anymore. So I just don't see us being able to come up with a package that would that would satisfy them. Okay, Zona, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question because mm-hmm. I assume you would not trade Mikel for John Collins. Hell no. So let's go down a peg. Would you trade Cam Johnson for John Collins? That's tough. See, that one I, I feel like I would consider just because um, I completely agree with Cody. I would not do Mikel. Cam, I don't know. Like it's It solves some issues offensively, I think, to an extent, but it also creates more issues defensively. Um, because I think he's better as a five on defense, but you can't really play him as a five. Because Collins is just kind of lost on the perimeter. So um, I'd have to – I'd probably pass on that, to be honest. I just – I don't really love the Collins fit. Um, I think there's a reason Atlanta's looking to move on. They're a contender, and, you know, they're trying to to fit uh, the right pieces around Trey. And if Collins is, is not going to be your number three there, then why would he come here and uh, – you know, be a number three and also buy in defensively. I think that's, that's the main thing for me is in the playoffs. Like I just, I don't see him being an integral part of a championship team. You know, what's really interesting is the Suns, uh, the last two playoffs, one year they made the finals, the next year they lost in the second round. The year they made the finals, if you look at playoff defense and playoff offense, okay, the Suns in that 2021 stayed really, really good on defense, and their offense was was struggled. And they went further. The second year, the Suns almost led the uh, the whole playoffs in offense. I think they were number two in offense. But their defense struggled. It was down to 14th out of 16 teams. And they lost in the second round. This is why defense matters. Defense gets you through the playoffs. Defense is what – remember that Clippers – game in the Western Conference Finals. It was on a Saturday. It was on the road in L.A. And the Suns couldn't score at all in that fourth quarter against the Clippers game four. That was to either take a 3-1 lead or cut it, get, let it get to 2-2 and all of a sudden, oh shit, against the Clippers. The Suns, defense, the Suns offense scored like three points in ten minutes, nine minutes, but they only gave up like three points in nine minutes. So even when the offense struggled... The defense held ground. That's the important thing. And the reason I think maybe they're thinking about moving on from Jay Crowder is because Jay really 
fell apart on defense in the playoffs. And I don't know if that was temporary. I don't know if it was age, but it might have just been temporary, like he was sick, whatever it was, or he just had a bad series, but he was bad on defense. The Suns as a team, their defense sucked. They get kicked out. Usually defense wins in the playoffs. So having said that, John Collins is not your ideal guy for that. What about this suggestion, uh, Dave? We got Eric Linara suggesting Mikhail for Ben Simmons. So I'll tell you one thing. Let me tell you one thing. Mikel for Ben Simmons. Let me tell you one thing. Ben Simmons is a hell of a lot better player than anyone thinks he is because they haven't seen him in so long. And their only memory of Ben Simmons is passing up that layup and his coach and his best, his other best player on the team throwing him under the bus saying we can't trust him anymore. Wow. Did you guys, it just dawned on me. The Suns basically had a Ben Simmons moment. In the playoffs. And now everyone thinks the Suns suck because they haven't played since. Everyone thinks Ben Simmons sucks. Did you know he was three-time All-NBA before he turned 25 years old? Hell of a defender. Hell of a passer. He can be your secondary point guard and shot creator. Creator for others. And he still averaged 15 points a game. And he's an all-star. No, three-time, sorry. Three-time all-star, one-time all-NBA. The dude is a beast. I would not trade him for Mikel. Me neither. I would not trade Mikel for I'm, him. I'm glad that's how that I ended. just want to say that even if Ben Simmons is back to his all-NBA level, he's incredibly good as a helper. And he's going to be good for the Nets, man. Kevin Durant and, um, and uh, Jesus Christ, Kyrie Irving and those guys, they're all going to really love Ben Simmons covering for them on defense. He's really good. He's probably going to make all-star or all-NBA again if he's healthy. I still would not trade Mikel Bridges for him. So, but I wanted to establish he doesn't suck. And say, for the same reason the Suns don't suck, just watch them play again and you'll feel better. Um, so how does that work with book? Ben Simmons? Yeah, I don't even want to worry about it. Uh, ben Simmons would be great. He would be great on the Suns. For the same reason you guys would have wanted DeJunte Murray on this team, same reason you guys would have wanted a lot of other pass first, shoot second guys, he would work because you can create. I mean, Ricky Rubio did pretty well on this team. Ben Simmons is like a supersized Ricky Rubio. So it's, it would not have been a problem, but I still want Mikel Bridges first, even if it's just for his smiles and his side eye looks and stuff like that. I still want Mikel. All right, uh, let's see. What other questions do we have? Julius Randle. Brandon, let me let you go first. Julius Randle on the Suns. Are they better or are they worse? I just, I don't get it. Like, I, I know there's there's some smart people on Suns Twitter that are a fan of it, people's opinions that I respect. I just, I don't think Randle moves a needle. Uh, I think he kind of changes how you play to an extent too, and I don't think he's good enough to adjust your system for it. Like I, I, I do get like the buy low aspect of it. And he's someone that you can, maybe if there's not as much pressure on him offensively, he could you be. You can't a, exactly buy low because he makes 25 million a year. Yeah, but it's still, he's coming off, you know, he made it all NBA a season ago and then he just had a down year. The Knicks fans are all fed up with him. Uh, he just Okay, he's had eight years in the NBA, seven down years in one good year. But anyway, exactly. please. Exactly. <laughs> 
And I think, honestly, I think just playing with for the Lakers and Knicks too in those markets, he gets a little bit overrated uh, in a sense. Just, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think he's he's fine, uh, but he's not someone I, I think is a great fit for the Suns and what they need. Blaze. I think Blaze blazed. Uh, he says he likes Randall. He can shoot, rebound, and play okay defense. Uh, he cannot play okay defense unless okay defense is Ole defense. I think he just got one letter wrong there. Add it. It's Ole defense that he plays, not okay defense. Yeah, there's a and, reason the Knicks you know, fans Rebounding and defense. Are rebounding and defense the same thing, Cody? Not always. No, definitely not in the case of Randall. Not ever. Rebounding and defense are two completely different things, um, in my mind anyway. You can go for rebounds and be a turnstile on defense, and you can be a great defender and never grab a rebound. Mikel Bridges hardly ever rebounds, but he's a great defender. I feel the same way about Randall that I felt about Collins, where it's like that he just got an extension. He's signed through the 2026 season, and – if, if this was a situation where he was an expiring contract and we could just take a flyer on him for one year, sure, let's take a flyer on him for one year. But I don't want to lock myself into that for something that, you know. I, I actually think the the idea of Julius Randle and the Suns, I'd be willing to see it. I, I would like to see it. Uh, if it was a choice between that and just running it back completely, I might take just Julius Randle because I'm so opposed to just running it back. But I think there will be better options out there, so that would be far from my first option. Okay, uh, we are 44 minutes into the show. Uh, we've got a few other players we want to cover. I want to talk in depth a little bit about um, Anthony Davis, although he's not on the block, but Cody has an opinion on whether Anthony Davis should be a Phoenix Sun. And I also want to talk about another favorite of a rival host um, in, in Montrez Harrell, who now all of a sudden is signable because his – his uh, felony charge for drugs got reduced to a misdemeanor. Um, so we'll talk about those guys. But first, hey, folks, give me a moment to talk the praises of a new sponsor that we've got because it's a great new product. I don't know if you've heard of these, these Raycon Everyday Earbuds. They're incredible. They're half the price of the earbuds you're used to paying. These are the wireless earbuds. You stick them in your ears. You got all kinds of different three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions. Look, I listen to podcasts all day long. Basketball podcasts, news podcasts, things like that. I'm always listening to something and I've always got something in my ears. Also, while I'm at work, I use, um, I use earbuds to do work meetings, to work calls so I don't uh, distract everybody in my house. So these uh, earbuds are really important to me. And these Raycons are really great. They give you eight hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life, and they don't fall out of your ears if you're moving around and running around and stuff like that. You can also work out with them. Uh, I work out a lot. I, I do a lot of exercising, and these earbuds are great for that too. There's earbud tap functions. There are all kinds of stuff. You want to get these earbuds. Go to buyraycon.com tb today to get 15% off your Raycon order. Just because you listen to this podcast, you get that deal. That's buyraycon.com slash tbpn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash tbpn. I want us to give Cody some room in his corner. You can see 
his camera. He's actually in Cody's corner right now physically. So I want I want you guys to um, I want you guys to participate in Cody's segment. And we're gonna we're starting Cody's corner right here. Let's go. All right, I'm in my element here. Let's go. Um, yes, I am in my corner of my classroom right here. If you didn't know, I'm a cl- I'm a school teacher. And uh, I always podcast here because I got three screaming kids at home, and I'm sure it wouldn't be very, <clears throat> uh, very good for the pod. So here I am in Cody's corner, and for the theme today, I always like to have a theme. A couple times ago, it was like all-time stats. The time before that, it was had to do with betting odds. This time, given that I would say the biggest off-season move for the Suns actually was just re-signing our guys to big contracts. DeAndre Ayton got the offer sheet from Indiana that the Suns ended up matching. And then obviously Devin Booker got his Supermax extension in which he's going to be here on the Phoenix Suns for a long time, making a lot of money. So today's today's Cody's Corner is all about money. What I did is I made compiled a list of the top 10 players who have made the most money over their careers from the Phoenix Suns. So what players have made the most money over the course of their careers from their contract for playing for the Phoenix Suns? The way this is going to work, this is actually going to be a head-to-head matchup between Dave and Zona. You're each going to take turns listing players that you think are on this list, and the first player to na- the first person to name a player that is not in the top 10 of career earnings for the Suns will lose. Oh, man. If, if hypothetically – you guys go 10 for 10 and, and you each get five and you get all, all 10 in order. Then I lose, I guess. <laughs> so you're playing against me as well. Did you do any uh, gymnastics to, uh, to up all the dollars from old days to new days and no. all that? So, so you, you, you have to understand that uh, there will be no players from the 1980s on this list. Like $500,000. <laughs> I still remember Charles Barkley, MVP of the league, joking. About look, man, I only make two million dollars, so all I do is score and rebound. If you want me to play defense, I need another million. Yep, two million dollars. Yes, obviously, all of the players in this top ten, you know, will be skewed to an extent towards current players. It doesn't mean they're all current players, but uh, <clears throat> there are some names on there that you're gonna that you're gonna scratch your head at. But you have to understand it's because they played recently, so. Um, I have one question real quick. This is only Uh, while they played for the Suns, right? While they played for the Suns. Yes. Go ahead, Zona. Okay. So does this count future earnings too? So like someone that like, okay, got it. So none of the salary for the 2023 season is included only up to the 2022 season. So obviously, yeah, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton would be one and two if we included future earnings, but no, (laughs) it's just what they've earned so far. Um, and I've got the top 10 right in front of me. So I don't know if one of you wants to volunteer to go first or do I have to pick? <laughs> no. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to say Devin Booker is one of them. Devin Booker. So Dave King with the first guest has guessed number one. Devin Booker is already the highest earning player in Suns history. <laughs> with $98.3 million plus a lot more coming in future years. Dang. Yikes. Well. So there's one off the board. 98 million. Okay. 98 million. Um, I'm going to go Steve Nash has to be in there somewhere. 
Very good. Steve Nash is number two. So the first guess was one. The second guess was two. Steve Nash made $89.5 million over his career with the Suns. It's back to you, Dave. Um, Got to go Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire is there. He is number five on the list. He made $66.9 million while playing for the Suns. Okay. Um, let's do – yeah, I feel like Tyson Chandler. Actually, no, I don't want to use that one yet. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Um, Sean Marion. Sean Marion is there. He is number four. Made sixty nine point one million dollars while playing with the Suns. And let me let me give a little. Uh, some of these numbers are are slight estimates because there are some situations like, for instance, Marion was traded halfway through the two thousand eight season, and so. I had to prorate his salary from that year to be at how much probably went to the Suns versus the Heat. What I have is an estimate. It's not exactly right. I talked with uh, our friend David and our friend Christian Coker, who are both good uh, cap guys to, to help me figure out those numbers. But Marion's definitely there. He's number four. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go number three is actually Chris Paul. You are correct. Number three is Chris Paul. So just because you have to remember that first season that we had him, he was on this massive contract, and he made $45 million just that year. Plus another 30 last year puts him at number three. Dang. So, yeah. Okay, you guys so we have, have the top five now. Guesses, you got the first five guys. So, good job. You're, you're, you're doing well so far. Now, the rest are not quite as uh, great players as those first five that we said. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Um. I want to guess Tyson Chandler, but how about Boris Dio? And we have our loser. Oh! Donut is wrong. It was night. Boris Dio is not on the list. Good guess, but no. Let me go through the rest of the list. And you're actually going to be maybe surprised by number six. Number six is none other than Tom Gugliotta. Oh, I was going to say Marcus Banks for a second. But okay. Tom Gugliotta <laughs> made 56.2. You remember he made like one all-star team with the Timberwolves, and then the Suns gave him this massive contract. And then he and was hurt. 56, and then he was hurt most of the time. Number seven, you should have gone with your gut, Zona. It was Tyson Chandler. Tyson, of course. Uh... Tyson Chandler made $49.8 million. Uh, number eight, Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway made $48.3 million while playing for the Suns. Those poor two early two thousand sons. Yeah, those were. Man, those I were still remember the heartbreak when. Um, oh my God, I just Antonio McDice went back to Denver in that in that weird um, you know in, in that weird free agency where he went back and resigned with Denver. They wouldn't let him talk to the Suns. They physically locked their their arena when he was there, and the Suns pivoted to Tom Gugliotta that mm. off season after losing Antonio McDice and they had that backcourt 2000 with kid and Anthony um, uh, Penny Hardaway. And then um, they were going to have Antonio McDice and that would have been dynamic if they could have stayed healthy and together. But then he, then he went to Denver in a, in a big fiasco. (laughs) Then he went to Denver. The last two two on the list, two fan favorites, Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight. (laughs) Those were, those were guests in the chat. Good job. Good job, Suns Orbit. Uh, somebody else put Brandon Knight. I got. I got to find that person. Josh Childress did not get up there. No, Sawbucks had Brandon Knight. 
Mm-hmm. Good job. Sun's Orbit, Bledsoe. Yep. Bridges Jason Kidd this group soon. did not make top 10. Who's that? Jason Kidd. No, he did not. So I think when we got him, we got him from the Mavericks, and he was still not making that much. He started making a lot once we traded him to the Nets. It was just right okay. after we, we traded him. He went to two finals. He did go to two finals on the Nets. Okay. He, won, he went to three finals after he left the Suns yeah. and won one of them. And it's and I have to actually commend the Suns just to go off on a tangent that they kind of stuck to their guns with Jason Kidd after his domestic <clears throat> abuse um, mm-hmm. conviction that they said, we don't care how great of a player you are. We don't want players like you on our team. And, you know, at the end of the day, he was a great player, but, you know, good for them for, for sticking to their principles. Okay, I got a few more money-related questions. First one. <clears throat> so you know that Booker just signed his massive contract extension. The final year of that contract, he will be making $60 million in one yeah. season. So here's the question. Yeah, in what season, what was the first season where the Suns' total payroll – among their players was over sixty million dollars. So it was not point, as long ago as people think it is. How long ago was the total payroll over sixty million dollars for the first time? Zona, since they first the first time, you go first this time. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Dave. <clears throat> no, I think it was more like uh, twelve or thirteen. Correct answer is actually a great season, 2007, the 06 07 really? season. They just barely got over 60 million. If you think about it, you know, the, the top level guys were all making about 10 million. That's Nash, Dottemeyer, Marion. And then there were just lots yeah, and lots true. of guys making around a million and it ended up being just over 60 in that season. Okay. All right. Next question uh, Who was the first player in Suns history to make over $10 million in a single season? Who was the first player in Suns history to make over $10 million in a single season? Dave, you got this one first. Jeez. I mean, is it Penny Hardaway? Ding, 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 ding. Good job, Dave. It is Penny Hardaway. We don't even have to go this Good job. Excellent work. In the 2000-2001 season, he made just over $10 million, being the first player in Suns history to do so. All right, final final money-related question, and this one's kind of a deep cut. I'll have you know that when I was researching this, I was using basketball reference for the most part, and basketball reference only has salaries going back to the 1985 season. So I'll have you know, don't guess anyone before 1985. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the question. Only one time in Suns history – has there been a time where the top earning player made over double the second player? So where one player made over double anyone else on the roster. There's only been one time in Suns history where that happened. And is some player between 1985 and today. Who do you think that player is? Zona, you go first with your guess. Charles? Charles Barkley, that's your guess. Dave, yeah. what's your guess? Only There's only one time in Suns history. I'm going to say it's Tom Chambers. Dave, you are on a roll. It is Tom Chambers. Woo-hoo! First free agent ever. And if you think about it, like Dave said, Tom Chambers was the first ever unrestricted free agent in NBA history. 
Yeah. This, and Jerry Colangelo made a big deal about how if he becomes available, they're going to give him a big contract. He made a whopping $1.8 million <laughs> in the, in the 1988-89 season. The next highest on the Suns made exactly half of that. Armin Gilliam made 900000 Armin Gilliam. <laughs> that was kind of a deep cut. But uh, this concludes Cody's Corner, all about some money today, and I thank you guys for all participating. Thank you guys in the chat. Thank Did you? you I got to I got to uh, Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is it. I have a recollection of a story that I thought was very interesting that I'm almost 90, I'm 99% sure it's, it's this guy, Armin Gillian. Okay. Well, how was his name spelled when he first came out in the league? His first name. I do not know. Just how do you, how do you spell Armin? A-R-M-E-N. Right. But later in his career, he changed it to A-R-M-O-N because he was tired of people spelling it wrong. Hmm. That's interesting. In the 90s. At some point in the 90s, he changed his name to A-R-M-O-N because people never got it right. Changing your name is the whole process today. So I wonder if it was a little bit easier back then. <laughs> no, it was all, it was, uh, no, it was worse because it was all by paper and mail and all that shit. So I don't, I th- I'm pretty sure. Or you'd have to physically show up at the courthouse. I don't know. I feel like uh, that's crazy. But yeah, he, re- he, he changed it. Um, okay, thank you, Cody's Corner. Great job. That was fun. Now, we're going to circle back. We're going to talk about two more players, and then we're going to get out of here because i got to run. i gotta, I got to go do some errands. Uh, first guy, Cody Hunt. I want you to tell us why you're willing to dump two really good Suns players for Anthony Davis, who hasn't seen a basketball court in 15 years. Go. All right, here's my entire ethos phoenix suns have gone 53 however many years at this point with zero championships they are the oldest american sports team to never have won a championship i really want the suns to have a chance to win the championship and the way i see it i don't think the current roster has a chance i really don't and if it's a chance it's like a 0.1 percent chance i i I think that the the makers give them nine percent but uh, I, I would not do that because of what I outlined earlier. I just think they need a second guy. I don't think Chris Paul is is capable of being the second guy on a playoff team anymore. I think Devin Booker, while he's great as a number one, he needs a, a real number two. I think, you know, Devin Booker is a great player. He's probably, you know, 10th best player or so in the NBA, but he's not a true like one, two, three best player in the NBA. If we had prime LeBron on this team, he could take this team to a championship but I don't think Devin Booker is quite at that level. We need a real number two. And while Anthony Davis, I don't like him. I don't think I don't trust him. I think it's more than likely it would end up horrible and he would end up injured. I think it gives the Suns more of a chance to win a championship than the current roster, because I think the chances of him staying healthy, what it may be 12%, but if he does stay healthy, we've seen him in the playoffs, you know, completely dominate he was so good in those bubble playoffs and i just think the suns need another guy like that another guy that can get to the rim that can get to the free throw line they don't have really anyone like that and for the just from a fit perspective i think it would be incredible while now let me caveat i don't think the suns should be like trying to make that their number one option trading for anthony davis i think there are better trades out there than anthony davis 
However, if you gave me two choices, first choice is just completely run it back and make no trades, and second choice is trade DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson for Anthony Davis, I'll take the second chance. I want a chance in a championship, and I think that gives us a tiny more chance than what we currently have. Zona, what do you say? So I agree with Cody's point, the current roster we have right now. Um, I, I don't think we're good enough to win a championship unless things go our way and we get certain breaks and without making a move, without making a splash. I don't think Anthony Davis is that guy, though. Um, I get the mindset behind it and I get the approach. I just I just don't think, like you said, you don't even trust him. You can't rely on him to finish out a playoff series without getting injured if he's not already injured leading up to it. And when you have that combined with Chris Paul, it's just – you just have two of the most like untrustworthy guys, like in crunch time when it comes to like staying healthy with their bodies. So I think uh, for me, it's like, you know, we, we just had a decade of misery. I, I want to focus on Devin Booker's window rather than Chris Paul's window at this point. I obviously I want a championship, but I think someone like a Shea and you, and you did mention in your caveat, there's different trade targets. So I think someone like a Shea or like a Siakam that fits more with like the youth core I would give up more for those guys than I would Davis. And uh, I kind of, I get to think about it. I just can't, I can't get behind Davis. He's just too injury prone, made a glass and his only success in the playoffs really, it was in the bubbles. And I just don't, I don't really want to count that. Um, it's, it's a bubble. So I don't know. I think it makes sense, but I got to pass. Nacho Man 25. I want whatever Cody's smoking. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, look, you cannot be a fan base who's disappointed in Chris Paul's health and want Anthony Davis to join a team with Chris Paul going into the next playoffs. You can't do it. You just can't. <laughs> you can't. Now, however, having said that, Cody, you're right that Anthony Davis, healthy Anthony Davis at his best is better than anybody besides Devin Booker on this team. Even better than Chris Paul at his best. If everyone's at their best, Anthony Davis is incredible. The problem is you don't get incredible Anthony Davis. What you get is Anthony Davis who whines about having to play center, which the Suns would want him to do. Probably so. Whines about, to the point where he doesn't just say he doesn't want – like, look, DeAndre Ayton, people complain about DeAndre Ayton sometimes. That, oh, I'd like to play power forward. I don't want to be called a big man. But he never, ever forces the Suns to play anyone other than himself at center. Anthony Davis is so bad that he convinces his head coaches to play Dwight Howard, the 84-year-old Dwight Howard next to him, so he doesn't have to play center. And they have to – they have to constantly make him feel like he's not playing center and then and then shock him when all of a sudden he's the biggest guy on the court. They you don't want you shouldn't have to trick your best player into playing the best role for your team. So even when Anthony Davis is healthy, he's not still not great because he doesn't want to play that role that you need him to play. And especially now fit on the Suns, he'd be incredible if he'd be willing to play the DeAndre Aiden position. He would not be as incredible if he insists on playing the Jay Crowder position and forces you to, because guess what? You'd have to start Dario next to him? You'd have to start Biz next to him? No. Because then what does he do? 
Anthony Davis, he sits at 15 feet out and he shoots jumpers. And if you don't like DeAndre Ayton shooting jumpers, you will not like watching Anthony Davis shoot jumpers. He had one good two-month stretch of his career shooting jumpers. That was in the play in the bubble. I don't see him doing that again. So I agree with you, Cody, and I agree with everything until you come to your conclusion. The Suns need a better number two. They need to make a change. They've got to replace Chris Paul's impact on the team with another player that's better than today's Chris Paul, but that's not Anthony Davis. I agree it's crazy, Dave. It is absolutely crazy, and and all I'll say is that losing by a million points to the Mavericks has made me crazy. It's made me consider insane things. Here's another insane one, just really quick. But I'm, I, I think I'm the only person that uh, has said this, and I think uh, I'm probably the only person that thinks it. Hypothetical situation. We're two months into the season, and the Brooklyn Nets are imploding. Everyone hates each other. There's, there's all kinds of trade rumors surrounding the team. The Nets still want a massive haul for Kevin Durant, and the Suns don't have it. But they're willing to trade Kyrie Irving for peanuts. We take a flyer on him for one year if, they, if, they, if they're willing to give him up for, for a small deal. You stagger him with Chris Paul so that they're not playing together very much, and you get an elite shot creator on the team, one-year flyer, if you can get him cheap. If you still got Chris Paul on the team, you can't. You can't that's the smallest. That's a smaller yeah, backcourt than Cleveland's. Stagger them. Oh, stagger them. Two of the best fifteen players in the game. You're going to stagger them. And they're also two of the least available. So you know, most of the time, only one of them is going to be available. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I'd do that I too. Do that. I, I want something crazy. I, I would I would much rather have, have a crazy risk-taking possible move than just standing pat. That's my whole point. I want them to try something. I want them to take a risk and try something and not just stand pat and come back with the same team that's going to lose. So I feel like, look, I feel like um, you got your percentages backwards, Cody. I'm also going to say you said out loud, Suns have a 0.01% chance to win win the championship the way they're constructed. And there's a 12% chance that Anthony Davis would play the whole season healthy. I think you got that backwards. I think there's a 0.01% chance of Anthony Davis play, being healthy and at his best all year. And the Suns have about a 12% chance of winning the whole thing. Play, teams have to go through heartache, heartbreak, to actually break through in subsequent years. And you've got to do that. And the Suns have, have suffered their heartbreak. Now let's see what happens. They didn't really suffer heartbreak in that, in that finals year. Everything came too easy for him, and they could explain away the finals with just Giannis going crazy. This year, it is their fault that they lost in the playoffs, and now they have to be better. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Suns do. I think they'll probably go into the season as far as a number two and then see if anything falls apart and then decide the trade deadline what they're going to do about that or next summer. I do feel like the top five, top four are going to stay the same on this team. I feel like maybe they'll trade Jay Crowder and other guys, but definitely the top four of Paul, Booker, Mikel, and DeAndre are going to stay the same. Um, Booker and Aiden can't even be traded, so yeah, at least uh, those are going to stay the same. So definitely I see that happening, and I think the Suns do have a chance to break through again this year, and I think people are going to realize that that uh, second round was an aberration more so than the 64-win season. I think the 64-win season is more of a, a harbinger of the days to come. Um, 
Mark Clavel, second round and out. Yeah, all but four teams are second round or less and out. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean they're going to be, and they have as good a chance as any of uh, them and four other teams, six other teams have just as good a chance. So you just do it. You play. This is the great, this is a very good team. And just to say you don't have, I mean, if you can't go into a season being the clear-cut favorite and otherwise you're going to be gloom and doom, well, you're going to, season's going to suck for you. Um, so I'd rather think positively about the team going forward. One last player I promised we would talk about, uh, Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell, he was uh, unsigned this summer because he had a felony charge he was facing. He could have faced, gone to jail. Now that got reduced to a misdemeanor, he's available to be signed by teams. The Suns do still have their taxpayer mid-level. Um, he would fit into that. Do you think the Suns should sign Montrez Harrell and why? We'll start with Zona. I'm sorry, John. A uh, lot of respect for you, but absolutely not. There, there's uh, Harrell is just, no. I don't think he's playable in the playoffs. I think the off-court issues, like I, we don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, I, I just don't. I'm not a fan of that fit at all. Cody. Nope. Uh, you can kind of see what my whole philosophy is by, by all that I've said in this podcast. My philosophy is I want a team that could do something in the playoffs. And Montrose Harrell, like Zona said, doesn't give you anything in the playoffs. He's going to get played off the floor. So that's a, that's a no for me. That's a no for me, dog. Um, yes, in, in, in the old American Idol days. Um, I am going to say no, and I'm going to actually explain why to John Boyda. Um, he and I have talked about this before, but he asked me to really explain it. So Montrez Harrell is a, uh, um, he's terrible on defense. He gets blown by all the time. The reason he gets sad in the playoffs is because he gets put into pick and roll situations where he has to get switched off onto a guard and then he gets blown by. And he doesn't have the length or the strength or the speed to be able to catch up and stop the drive anyway. He gets abused out there. And the only reason he gets a few rebounds is because the guy sometimes misses the shot he got wide open off of running around that running around that dude. Um, Harrell, his the best attributes for Montrez Harrell is his long hair and his facial expressions look like make it look like he's a whirling dervish out there. He tries so hard, he plays real hard, he puts up stats, he's productive, all that. That's wonderful. But you know what? That dude um, is he's like the opposite of DeAndre Aiden. Whereas DeAndre Ayton has the game offensively, defensively, all that, but he's stoic and he makes people feel like he's not putting enough effort out. Montrose Hill makes you feel like he's putting every ounce of effort. He possibly has more effort than all the other nine guys on the court combined. But he doesn't produce anymore. He doesn't make a difference in the game, and that's why he sits in the playoffs. No to Montrose Harrell. Plus the Suns have four other centers. And I'm telling you, even Jock Landale, is a better fit for the Suns than Montrez Harrell because Jock Landale can pass the ball from the top of the key. He's going to be like a mini Dario. He's yep, going to be like a new Frank. That's a good point. I would I would take Landale over Harrell. Like I think Landale's going to surprise a lot of people, and I think Harrell's just you know the whole Westbrook like Pat Bev really trick y'all like meme where he's just you know all the hustle and energy. That's kind of what Montrez is. He just tricks people with clapping and pounding the floor, you know, doing all those flashy things, but he's really not doing anything. Like he's, he, I mean, he's just, he'll get rebounds and he'll make ener like high energy plays. But uh, like you said, get him in a pick and roll. He's toast. 
Um, oh, sun's orbit. Yes, I did get asked. Did I? Uh, did we talk about Cam Jr.? So if the Suns acquire Boyan Bogdanovich, and he his, uh, you know, the Suns still have Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges, you know, on that front line. Who starts between Boyan and Cam J? Um, I've got my answer, but I'm gonna ask you guys first. Um, Zona, who starts between Boyan and Cam J? Uh, I think it'd be Boyan, just because if they're if you're trading for him, uh, you better have that confidence in him. You shouldn't be trading for a six man right now, and I think Cam uh, at this point is ready to start. So that's kind of why I'm a little torn on that, unless it's moving the needle, getting someone like a Pascal or. A Julius Randle or, you know, someone that's going to be the clear-cut starter. Uh, I'd rather just run it back with Cam at this point. But I think if they're going to trade for Boyan, it'd be to have him as a starter. Cody? Uh, I, I, th- I could see it both ways. I think I would actually lean Cam just because I really want to see the opportunity for Cam and his incredible shooting to play with the best creators on the team, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and just get all these open shots and rain threes. Whereas Bojan, I trust his self-creation a little more than I do uh, Cam's. So I actually would probably bring him off the bench. Yeah, I think it's a good question. I, I, uh, Bojan is, is the more, more of the veteran. He's been starting for a lot more years. Um, he makes $18, 20000000 million a year. He averaged 18 points a game last year. Um, he has more of a pedigree as a starter, and the Suns started Jay Crowder, who has more of a pedigree than Cam Johnson the last few years. But it could also be that they're ready for Cam to be the starter, and then the problem is, of course, rebounding, and then you bring in Boyan for whatever balance of minutes you've got. So I don't know that it matters which one starts. I think Boyan would start, but I would not be surprised if they give it to Cam because he's the longer-term son, and Boyan would be – the guy who was just acquired, he could come off. Yeah. So it's it's fine. Uh, whoever starts, it won't matter. I personally think that's a better fit uh, than Clarkson. I feel like Clarkson is going to frustrate us like Campaign does. Um, and if you put Clarkson and Campaign out there together, that's going to be kind of a small backcourt. So um, I know you guys were leaning Clarkson earlier, and I don't know what I said, but I really do think Boyan's probably the better fit for the team. All right. Any closing thoughts? Let's um, so let's go around the horn. Closing thoughts and uh, where we can find you around the internet. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, real quick. We didn't talk about it, but the, I think the Cavs are legit title contenders. Uh, that's that's my hot take. With a pair of six-one uh, guards. Yes, <laughs> I do. I, I think when you have three seven-footers surrounding them that are freaks, I think you can make it work. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I don't think they'll. I'm not saying they're going to win a championship, but I think. If you're one of the last four teams in the East, you have a chance to win championship if things go right. And that's kind of where the position they put themselves in. So uh, shout out to the Knicks for almost getting another star. They seem to do that every offseason. So um, feel for them. But I think uh, the Cavs hit a home run there, and that young core is going to be awesome to watch. So uh, also just laughing at the Jazz rebuild. It's just great to see them struggle and, and go through, through hell. Uh, you know, so – Anyways, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ZonaHoops underscore and my work on BrightSideOfTheSun.com and ZonaHoops.com. All right, Cody, thank you so much for joining us today and bringing your Cody's Corner segment and all that and your takes. I love your takes. Tell us where we can find you. Uh, mostly these days just on Twitter. I'm trying to get through the judges of the the September-August offseason. 
Um, if I'm not talking about basketball, I might be trying to tell you the truth about uh, different foods. For instance, you know that now that it's September, oh, God. now that it's September, I need to remind oh. everybody that pumpkin is an objectively bad flavor. Anything oh, I agree you, with you. You like anything you think you like that has pumpkin in it. You don't actually like the pumpkin. You like all the other ingredients in it. Pumpkin pie. You like all the sugar. Pumpkin spice Cinnamon. latte. You, it's not actually the pumpkin making it better. Pumpkin is bad. Anything you add pumpkin to is worse. And this is a fact. And you just need to accept it. I agree with that one, actually. I've seen I'm actually with you on that one. Some years I don't. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'm actually with you there. Okay, my final thought. I did it. We did get one more question. Hello asked, what do we think Cam's contract should be? Man, I got a, I, I've done some research, and we're going to talk about that on, uh, on, on a future solar panel on how much we think it'll be. I really don't think he's going to sign this fall, um, and I'll tell you guys why, and, and we'll see. If he does sign, it's going to be for a great deal, like Mikel Bridges signing. Um, turned out, uh, to me, that's a great deal, even though it's over $20 million a year. Um, the Sun's got a good deal there, and I think Cam – um, I'll just boil it down. I don't think he's going to be offered or is worth more than 15, 16 million a year. If he signs this fall though, it might even be for less than that. So, but we'll talk more in depth about that in the future. My name is Dave King. You can find me on Twitter at Dave King NBA. Um, I may write about the Cam Johnson thing in the coming days. Uh, so you can look at brightsideofthesun.com for any of that. And we'll be back on solar panel, um, as soon as we can. So, uh, Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today, giving us all of your great mailbag questions. And uh, we'll be seeing you around real soon. Hey, folks, before you go anywhere, please, while you're in your podcast app, while you're listening to this, pop into the app. And if you're on, on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. It really, really very much appreciated if you give us a five-star review I know you love the pod. You've listened to it all the way through. You're a regular. I know you are. Leave us a five-star review, and I'll read it live on the air next week. <laughs>